Welcome to the MMA Roadshow, episode number 224. My name is John Morgan. Cole Coffee is not with me, but it's for a very, very good reason. That's because he is working his tail off right now in Sacramento, California. I know it's been a long day for him already. He's uh, taking one for the team. We were trying to save a couple bucks for the company, and uh, he actually flew up this morning to Sacramento. And uh, he's got media day going on. He's got to turn all that stuff around and then right into early weigh-ins tomorrow. So long, long day for uh for our man Cole Coffee in Sacramento for UFC on ESPN Plus 13, but he is going to uh, he's going to check in with us a little bit later and give us the lay of the land up there in California. Meanwhile, me, I am home in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada, Sin City. I stayed home. I've got the uh, final fight championship 39 over at the Fight Dome at the Rio that I'll be doing the uh, commentary for this evening. Myself and Frank Mir. No streaming, unfortunately, tonight. Uh, they're they're kind of doing some construction, some reorganization, that sort of thing. So we do some technical issues basically are preventing us from doing streaming tonight, but uh, hoping to resume that later this year. But myself and Frank Mir will be on the call, and that'll end up uh, going to CBS Sports Network at some point. Kind of plays on tape delay. We've got uh, got some MMA. We've got one boxing match. We've got some kickboxing as well. So uh, always enjoy doing those cards, man. Doing uh, MMA in a ring. Uh, I've said it before, but it is it is fun. I mean, it's it's great for fans to see. I mean, the sight lines are a lot easier than a cage, but man, does it change the game. You know, the way you the way you wrestle, the way you can grapple. Uh, it, you know, not being able to use the cage for offense or defense, um, it, it's different. Unless, and I've noticed that some fighters have figured that unless you can get them right in the corner post. If you got a decent sized corner pad, uh, which they do at the final fight championship, it gives you that one little area of flat space right and it's about uh, it's about one body width wide at least at FFC and if you can get them there uh, either if you're trying to wall walk up or if you're trying to you know uh, use it as an offensive tactic to, to hold them or to make some adjustments in your grip you can do it there so it's uh, pretty interesting but uh, anyway so I stayed home so I could handle that meanwhile uh, Cole Coffey will be handling UFC on ESPN plus 13 should say by the way we also have Matt Erickson out at uh, Bellator 224 so we'll talk a little bit about uh, him as well busy weekend man you know we're sitting down on a Thursday the way we always do when we record the uh, the NBA Roadshow comes out on, on Friday morning so again won't give PFL a whole ton of love because by the time you're listening that'll be over but PFL uh, is about to kick off right now as I sit here and uh, and record this one championship is in the morning as well Bellator 224 LFA 71 uh, UFC on ESPN plus 13 so man um, busy 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 slate of uh, MMA action of course we already had the contender series earlier this week as well so uh, a lot of fights going on I want to give a quick shout out to Latchkey Brewing uh, my man Anthony Beach out there the head brewer at Latchkey Brewing in San Diego California if in the area make sure you stop by man it, very MMA junkie friendly and uh, Anthony hit hit me up with a, uh, a packet of goodies and uh, I'm enjoying one of those right now can't do a lot of it because I got to go work, but hey, I figure what's what's one between friends, you know what I'm saying? So uh, I picked out the uh, the Hazy Rye IPA, a seven percent, phenomenal flavor, and it's got a great name. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> so uh, shout out to shout out to Anthony Beach. You can follow him on Instagram at anthony.m.beach, or you can follow Latchkey Brewing at Latchkey Brewing. Thank you to them. He sent me out a nice. Uh, 
collection of frosty beverages and even some beautiful glassware to put it in. So thank you very much. Enjoying a little bit, but not too much. Just one. Just one between friends before we go do this gig tonight. Uh, all right, listen. Uh, UFC 239 is in the books. Man, if ever there was an event to do an and a half, it was a UFC 239. Unfortunately, myself, cold coffee, Simon Head, who was in town from England as well, we were all working until about... Four o'clock in the morning, unfortunately, so we weren't able to pull it off. We're getting there, though. We're getting we're, we're getting to the point where we can get back to and a half. We're all staffed up over at MMA Junkie. We're getting everybody trained. We're getting everybody sorted out. We had some vacations that people were lined up for that uh, we got to get those knocked out. But we're getting there. So uh, the the big key is 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 getting those and a half broadcasts, um, you know, as part of the schedule for for MMA Junkie uh, because it's always been kind of a project that myself and Cold Coffee have done on the side, but um, it makes it tough because the workload of junkies getting heavier and heavier and the expectations are higher and higher. Um, so if we can get it as part of the workload, that that's going to make us uh, be able to get it done. So we won't spend a ton of time on it, but I did want to talk about a couple of things because it was such a big, important event, and I think people are still talking about it. You know, the main event, John Jones versus Tiago Santos, uh, and it was John Jones winning by split decision. I'm going to be honest with you. If you saw the MMA junkie play-by-play, that was me, and I had it 50 to 45 for John Jones. 50 to 45 for John Jones. Now, I know I'm probably the only person on the planet that scored it that way. I will say, and he didn't have an official score, but Simon Head, who was sitting directly behind me, and I, I don't know how much perspective has to do with these things, but who was literally sitting in the seat behind me, row two of press row, where I was on row one, also gave John Jones every round. And we were not discussing it. We were not talking about it. We were not uh, you know, comparing notes, and he gave John Jones every round. So before you lambast me, before you just just go off of me and say, John, all this time we've been listening to you, I thought you knew what you were talking about in MMA, and now I see that you have no idea what you're talking about in MMA. I get it. Fair. Um, listen, I, I did think rounds one and rounds five were very, very, very close. Um, and I will say this as well. Round one, uh, I was stressed out. <laughs> we the, the internet had been running fine at T-Mobile Arena all night long, and then for whatever reason, in the main event, it crashed out. So I'm switching between networks. Uh, I'm trying my phone, which unfortunately my phone hotspot doesn't work very good inside T-Mobile Arena, um, which is weird uh, because I use T-Mobile. <laughs> you would think you would think my T-Mobile uh, account would have really good uh, internet access inside T-Mobile Arena, uh, but that is not the case. So I was panicking. I'm not gonna lie. I did the. I, but I will say this: I went back and watched that first round the next day, and I still thought the same. I still thought that hey, it's very very close, but I'm leaning towards John Jones now. It, I, I, you know. I could very easily go the other way. And if I go the other way on rounds one and round five, where I'm, I'm, which I'm sitting here telling you are close, all right, well, well, now we're at 48-47, okay? Now it sounds like a more reasonable score. And it is one reason I want to point out that, you know, just because a score, and I've said it in other fights before, just because a score is 50-45 to 45 or 30-27, to 27, it doesn't mean that the fight wasn't close. That's not what it means. And I thought pretty much every round in this fight was close. And knowing what Tiago suffered in that first round, 
man, all the credit in the world to him that he was able to make it all the way through this fight and make a fight of it. Not you know, not just limp his way to the finish line. No, no, no. Not not just. Uh, I mean, although he did visibly limp. What I'm saying is, you know, figuratively speaking, he was still making it a contest. He was still making it competitive. Um, and and I know John said he's not interested in a rematch right now, and I know Dana said he's not interested in a rematch right now, but. You know, maybe a couple fights down the line at least. I mean, listen, it's going to take, you know, a year for Tiago to get back anyway with, with all the surgery he had. So, um, you know, who knows what John could have done by then. But, um, I, you know, I just, to me, and I will say too, I, I do think maybe Tiago's condition may have impacted my score a little bit. I, I it, Just seeing him wobble as he moved and not really able to, to, to get full power, it's just what I saw was, Yes, a very conservative John Jones. Uh, you know, a, a John Jones that I- admitted, like, "Oh gosh, you know, this is not the way I wanted to lose. If I was going to lose, you know, he, he very easily could have could have seen his title change hands." But I mean, honestly, and I know a lot of people scored the fight for Tiago Santos. And if you did, I don't blame you. I, you know, I know a lot of people hate John Jones, and they're probably looking for reasons to to take rounds off of John Jones. And if you scored it for Tiago, I'm not saying that's what you did. I'm just saying I know there are people out there like that. If you scored this fight for Tiago, I, I I won't argue with you. The rounds were close. I, I thought two, three, and four um, were, were pretty clearly John Jones. Um, but, you know, if, if, if you had it one of those rounds, and, all, and I'm telling you one and five were close, then right now I can say I can see how you scored it that way. But at the end of the fight, I mean – and I know, again, this is not how you score fights, but at the end of that fight, don't you just feel like John Jones won the fight? Because I sure do. I just felt like John Jones won the fight. I mean, even the fact that it was read a split decision was a little surprising. I'm like, what? One judge gave it to him? And, 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 I, and I'm, I'm not saying it's unreasonable. I get it. The rounds were close. But I think the right person won the fight. Um, so if you want to blast me for 50-45, I get it. I can, I can, I can probably even blast myself. But I didn't want to just throw a round out there. You know, round five I thought was really close. And if I wanted to protect myself from not looking like an idiot, I could just be like, well, you know what, man? I already gave four rounds to John. This one's close. I better give it to Tiago so I don't have a 50-45. But if I'm doing that, I'm not being honest. If I'm doing that, I'm not being honest. And and I don't think that's fair. And I hope judges don't do that. You know, I, I, I really hope judges don't do that. I, I could see it because I knew turning into 50-45 was going to be like, oh, man. This fight was this fight was too close to be a 50-45, but that's how the score is read. So even I, as I was scoring it, was like, you know, especially that fifth and final round, but it wouldn't be fair if I was just looking for a reason to give Tiago a round. Now, again, that first round, I was panicked. Uh, it was hard to give my full attention to it. Um, but I went back, and I don't I don't hate my score. I don't, I'm just going to be honest. I don't hate my score. I get it if you do, but I don't hate my score. I just felt like, yes, I thought Tiago had a lot of leg kicks, you know, that, that were, you know, those were definitely most his most effective strikes. Um, but I, I felt that when he moved forward and threw punches, he wasn't landing. He was throwing hard, but he wasn't landing. If you go to if you go to UFC.stats.com, which is um, I, I, which is what Fight Metric used to be, round one does have Tiago outlanding John Jones eleven to seven, but that's it. And and again, it's eleven to twenty six versus seven to sixteen. Um, it's 42% for Tiago Santos, 43% for John Jones. You know, again, I thought John Jones was the one holding the center, the one that was moving forward. Um, and, and John Jones did outstrike Tiago Santos in every other round. Now, not by much in round two, 11 to seven round three, 14 to six round four, 11 to eight round five, 16 to 11. And again, round five, which I thought was close, 
look at the look at what was so sixteen of twenty one for John Jones. That's seventy six percent. Tiago Santos eleven of thirty seven. That's twenty nine percent. So again, from my perspective, as I saw Tiago attacking, I just saw him missing a lot, a lot. Okay, the the uh, total strike count for the night fifty nine to forty three. John Jones over Tiago Santos. Now again, percentages. 59 of 90 for John Jones, 65%. 43 of 166 for Tiago Santos, 25%. Okay, so for what I saw from John Jones was efficiency, was controlling the center, was evading the big power shots from Tiago Santos. You know, I thought the leg kicks, again, were probably the best work for him, uh, as made evident by the fact that John Jones came in in a wheelchair the same way Tiago did. Um so, anyway, I, I just wanted to talk about my score because I was the one that scored that 50-45. I know I was the only media member that turned that in, um, and it, it seems like <laughs> the only person on planet Earth that had that score. Um, and I get why people hate it, but I at least wanted to talk about uh, why I had it. And, uh, I don't know, maybe – maybe uh, it, 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 I, I doubt I'm going to change anybody's minds and how they saw the fight, but to me, what I saw was a very conservative John Jones who knew that he had to be very, very careful of Tiago Santos's power – was not willing to take any chances, um, and therefore, you know, it was a very tactical fight. Was it the most entertaining fight of all time? No, I don't think it was. It wasn't entertain, you know, uh, you know, crazy. It wasn't, you know, Bonner Griffin esque. It was not that type of fight, but it was, you know, very, very um, tactical, I guess, and very. Uh, the, I thought, you know, John had to be very cautious, almost to the point that it cost him the fight. So, um, anyway, fifty forty five. But I'll admit, a very, very close fight. And Tiago Santos, to me, proved he deserved to be in there. Deserves all the credit in the world for fighting injured. And I hope he gets a chance to do it again somewhere down the line. All right, Amanda Nunes versus Holly Holm. Uh, man, got to feel bad for Holly Holm, the emotion that she had, the way she was looking afterwards. But Amanda Nunes is just, she's the GOAT. She's the female GOAT, no question about it. I, I just, I, I, man, I don't... Um, I don't know who beats her right now, to be honest with you. Styles make fights, and, you know, you have to think about particular matchups. But as far as right off the top of your head, like, oh, well, she hasn't beat so-and-so. She doesn't know about this. I mean, it's a incredible, incredible result by Amanda Nunes. Um, and and, and it, was, it was wild. You know, I asked her in the uh, post-fight press conference because I, I just happened to be facing her. And right before the finish, a little bit before that, she was kind of – she had a little smile. She kind of smiled, you know, and she said, "Yeah, I realize, you know, this is not the fight I was expecting. I'm gonna have to change things up a little bit, but this is gonna be good." Uh, and then she had the beautiful knockout. So felt bad for Holly Holm. She is such a fan favorite. She gets so much love from the fans, um, and, and deservedly so. You know, she's she's a legend in her own right, um, and, and she wears her heart on her sleeve. Man, the emotion on her face was evident. Uh, you know, after losing this, uh, not not to mention the, the actual swelling on her face was evident from the damage. So. Uh, man, she was she was uh, heartbroken, but uh, Amanda Nunes is just incredible. She she is amazing. Um, I'll be honest, I don't I don't understand why she wants the cyborg rematch. Um, you know, she's saying she wants it. Uh, Dana White saying they're going to put it together. Cyborg, they're saying cyborg don't want. It. My understanding is not this. I guess it's all in how you say things, right? And and you have to think about this, and and it's from both perspectives, you know. Bottom line, my understanding is that Cyborg has one fight left on her contract. She still wants it to be a title fight, and then she wants to test free agency. And that's just not going to happen. The UFC is not going to put you in a title fight without a multi-fight contract. And, and, I, and I completely understand that. That is just, 
you know, that is them protecting their business. How would they let anybody go into free agency holding their belt, okay? Then you've got all the leverage in the world. Um, and, you know, if you leave the company, you, you now that belt, I mean, we've seen what happens when people walk away. That belt, people question if you really have it, that sort of thing. So it's all in how you word things, right? You know, it's, uh, you know, Dana White says, hey, man, Cyborg's not interested in the fight. And then Cyborg or her team goes on Twitter and they go, oh, we are interested in the fight. Why are you lying? Well, neither person's really lying, to be honest with you. It's just in how you phrase it. Dana is saying, look, we will offer you the fight, but you got to sign a new multi-fight deal. No, not willing to sign a new multi-fight deal. I want to take the fight and then we'll negotiate. Okay, well, you're not interested in the fight. You just turned down the fight. Now, you can stand and say, I didn't turn down the fight. I turned down the multi-fight contract. I never said I didn't want that fight. So I, both people are telling the truth. They're both just phrasing it in the way that makes them look best. And I think that's what's so frustrating about about the whole situation, about the way Cyborg is treating it and that sort of thing. Um, it, of course Cyborg wants that fight. But she wants the rematch and she wants to sign a new deal afterwards. She wants to be a free agent. Um, and the UFC is just not going to let her walk into a title fight. That's why she's fighting Felicia Spencer because it's a non-title fight. And if Chris Cyborg fights against Felicia Spencer and walks away, well, then there you go. Then she does it, you know. Um, that's her That's her. Her decision to do it, but at least she doesn't bring a belt. At least she doesn't hold up a title. And I think that's unfortunately one reason that uh, Felicia Spencer is being rushed into this fight, to be honest with you. I mean, Felicia Spencer is dangerous. I am high on Felicia Spencer. I really, really am. I think she is a future champion. I wrote uh, a piece about it one time on MMA Junkie, the, the triple take piece that we do when they first started uh, talking about this fight. I said, I don't like this fight for Felicia Spencer. It's too early. It's too early in her career. That said, she does have a style that could beat Cyborg. Um, I, I don't know that we ever thought the way to beat Cyborg was to just go stand in the pocket and trade with her until somebody falls down. And Amanda Nunes said, oh, that's the way I'm going to do it. You know, I think I always thought uh, one of these dominant wrestler types might have a chance against Chris Cyborg. Now, you can't be a pure wrestler because you got to be able to, to get past that striking and getting close. you got to have some speed. you got to have some um, athleticism. You know, you can't be a slow, plodding wrestler. Well, Felicia Spencer's got that, so she could win this fight. Um, and she has supreme confidence as well, you know, uh, and deservedly so. She's she is a fantastic fighter. Um, I, I just man, it's early in the career to, to to face Chris Cyborg. It really is. I mean, fighting Cyborg is a different thing. So uh, I'm a little concerned about that. So anyway, uh, but but that's the situation right now. Amanda Nunes, Chris Cyborg. I, I just I, I don't know. I I I guess the the thing is, there's not another fight that necessarily makes sense right now. I mean, you've got uh, Ketlin Vieira at 135 pounds, you know, undefeated contender there. Um, you know, I, I believe she's healed up now. She was dealing with some injuries. Um, you've got Aspen Ladd, who if she beats uh, Jermaine Durandamy this week in, in Sacramento, um, you know, I'm a big fan of Aspen Ladd. The people around her, very, very cool team. You know, that might be um, something that makes sense for Amanda Nunes. But, um, again, that is, you know, it's it's Aspen's very, very young as well. But, She's, you know, she's already there. You start, you you beat people there in your way. It doesn't matter what your age is. You start beating the rankings, and you're there. I know they're not in a rush for a title fight. I know that team recognizes um, how young Aspen is as well. Um, but eventually, you just run out of people, and you get there. Um, so I guess from Amanda Nunes' perspective, I, I I see why the biggest name on the table is a rematch with Chris Cyborg. I just don't know how you repeat that performance, right? I mean, to go in there. To, to, to walk down the beast 
and to knock her out in under a minute. I mean, I just don't know how you do better than that performance. So kind of interesting to see what Amanda Nunes does from here. There's not big names on the table right now. Um, you know, and it's not like there's anybody out there that you could sneak in, you know, these one-offs. You know, your, your Brock Lesnar's that you just bring in out of nowhere and all of a sudden create a super fight. I mean, no disrespect to Ronda Rousey, but, I mean, I guess she'd be the biggest one floating out there that you could bring in. I just don't see that, you know, bringing anything to the table. So, um, I, I don't know. Amanda Nunes, phenomenal, phenomenal. I'll be interested to see what's next. Uh, but hopefully that uh, that kind of clears up what's going on with Cyborg as well. And it does play into UFC on ESPN Plus 13. I guess the last thing I really want to talk about was uh, Jorge Masvidal beating uh, Ben Askren in five seconds. Of course, this was the – I mean, this was the big story. All week long, man, th- this fight was the one that was clicking. This fight was the one that everybody was talking about. And then to end in that fashion, pretty unbelievable stuff, to be honest with you. I mean, uh, perfectly set up by Masvidal. Askren um, – Gosh, man, you know he was, dude, he was out of it, man. He was stiff for quite a while, and then um, when they walked him past press row, uh, you know, was still being helped. You know, he, he, I don't think he could necessarily remain upright on his own, and he definitely had no idea where he was. I mean, it was just that blank stare. You know, there's sometimes you see guys, you know, they're walking by press row and they stop and they look up at the screen. They know exactly, you know, I mean, I know exactly what happened, but they know where they are. They're they're cognizant that they've lost a fight. You know, they want to see the replay. They want to see what caught him, you know, what, what it was that put him down. This was just, you know, like a cartoon with the eyes spinning, you know what I mean? Just not there. Um, so just brutal, brutal work by, by Miles Vidal. Nothing but congratulations for, for Jorge, man. What a star-making year this has been for, for Miles Vidal. As we said going in, man, the results that he's gotten, the interviews that he's given, everything, phenomenal work from Miles Vidal. Um, but what I wanted to talk about real quickly is uh, what happened afterwards. And, you know, him and I had a little bit of an exchange uh, at the press conference. And, uh, and I, to me, I, I thought it was phenomenal. I thought it was entertaining. Uh, our, our good friend Oscar Willis at the Mac Life came up afterwards and said, man, you know, that was that was great stuff there, man. I really enjoyed it. And, uh, man, I, you know, and I did too. I thought um, basically was asking, and I'm sure everybody's heard about it, probably heard it at this point. Um, but just asking Masvidal about, um, you know, the uh, the celebration afterwards and about the extra punches afterwards and kind of get his take on it. Um, his quotes have gone pretty viral at this point. Uh, but let's just hear it just in case, just to remind everybody what we're talking about. Well, fastest knockout in USC history and uh, clearly a fight that was very personal to you. So uh, along, <laughs> yeah. along the way, uh, you've had some great wins. Where, where does this one rank all time out of, of all your accomplishments? Wasn't personal, man. I just don't like the dude. I knew how to get inside his head, and uh, that's it, man. You know, there's nothing personal for me. It's just business. I'm here to get these checks, get paid, and uh, make sure that I, got, I put enough money away for my kids to go to university so that belts was next. And um, I'm glad I got to end that dude, man. You started with flying knees before. I mean, was there a decision that, you know, you thought you could knock him out with it, or is that just the way you wanted to start the fight? I mean, why was that the... The initial move. Uh, he's so predictable, man. He's, he's a scrub. But a part of me just wanted to throw it out there so he knew, like, if you do shoot like an idiot, like you only know how to, your head's going to get clipped, and that would put the brakes on him, and then I'd beat him up for 14 minutes and 30 seconds and execute him. Or, you know, he took the bait. You know, I put my hands behind my back. He probably thought we were going to fucking patty kick it up or something. I don't know. But he walked right into it, you know. I saw some criticism. People say the punches weren't really necessary. Maybe they were super necessary. Why were they necessary? 
What do you mean, why were they not necessary? Because he was already knocked out at that point. But it, the referee hadn't pulled me off. And my job is to hit somebody till the referee pulls me off. So to those people, I would say, maybe don't watch him and may go back to soccer. I saw some other criticisms, perhaps, of your celebration afterwards. Any regrets at the celebration or your behavior in the cage afterwards? Uh, man, there's not too many people that I've disliked. I have over 50 pro fights, and he's one of them, you know. He talked about my manhood, talked about my culture, my ethnicity. Where, where do we drop? Why do certain people get to do stuff You online? So you could do anything. Everything is cool before a fight. You're allowed to do and say whatever you want. Like other fighters are not doing, talking about people's religions, wife, even kids. That's cool. But after a fight, I'm not allowed to showboat and rub it in your face so you and guys like you could see it and be like, maybe I don't talk so much shit because when I cross one of these real motherfuckers, they're going to make me pay for it, man. They're going to embarrass the shit out of me. And it's not over for Ben either. He still has to deal with me. If I see him at Whole Foods, I'm going to still slap that dude up because I don't like him. All right, so that was the exchange that uh, I'm, I'm sure you probably heard. But just so you're all talking about the same, I, 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 got, I, I made a mistake. I got suckered, man. I got suckered. Ah, uh, social media after this, I had a bunch of people come after me, come after me, saying what a jackass I was for asking those questions. How rude it was of me to 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 come at Jorge Masvidal that way. That uh, you know, it just I was out of line for even uh, you know saying that he was uh, that he was out of line. Which, by the way, for the record, I don't think he was out of line. I think he. I thought he explained himself phenomenally, which is true. I mean, listen, later on in the press conference, he made a joke. He started talking about it again and, um, you know, the punches, the, the punches after the knee. And, and, and he, you know, he said, oh, I thought he was going to get up and kind of made a little, you know, one of those faces that, you know, like, ah, just kidding. I knew he wasn't getting up. Uh, but what he said is true. My job is to go until the referee tells me not to. And I thought he explained it phenomenally. And, you know, uh, the, the, the laying down stiff as a board next to Ben Asher. I don't love that. I don't love it, but I don't hate it. it I mean, it, it is what it is. You know, this was a heated match, man. Ben said a lot of things in the lead up to this, and it made Masvidal angry. Uh, I, I have no problem, really, with the way he the acted afterwards. Like I said, the stiff thing, especially when you don't know if the guy is going to be okay, um, but I understand it more here. It, it kind of reminded me of, you remember years and years and years ago, uh, Tank Abbott kind of did that thing like he was seizing to uh, John Matua. And, and that one I hated a lot more because Tank definitely was a bully and Matua was, definitely had no business being in the in the cage. But that's that was just what we did at the time. It was a different era. Uh, here you have two finely you know, trained athletes, two finely honed weapons. And, and uh, again, it was, a, it was a grudge match. And I, I thought what Masvidal did – to explain here was, uh, I man, I, I really honestly thought that he did a great job explaining it and, and representing himself well. But all these, I mean, I say all these people, a handful of people attacked me online, and I tried to come back at him and say, listen, I'm, I'm just asking the guy questions, and that was my mistake. <laughs> that was my lesson and mistake on social media. Usually, I just ignore that stuff because I realize, like, there's, there's, it's, you're never gonna convince somebody that you're right. But I got into it with some people, and uh, I, I, you know, I. I tried to be nice and explain some stuff. Then I got a little angry, and I might have gotten a little, my God, it might have been a little passive aggressive Morgan in there, a little bit of Pam, <laughs> as Cold Coffee likes to call me when I get like that. There may have been a little bit of that involved, uh, and I probably shouldn't have. But lesson learned, damn it, on social media, just don't get into it. It's not worth it. Uh, you're never gonna help somebody see your way. Uh, but shout out to, I did have a handful of people reach out and, and, and try to remind me, like Morgan. 
Don't even get into it with them, man. You're not you're not going to change them. You're not going to convince them. Don't waste your time. And anybody that hit me up and said that, you're so right. Uh, I just I, I got I, it's, I don't think it's trolling really, but I, you know I got suckered into an argument that I shouldn't have been because I was trying to educate people and trying to let people know that listen, what we do at press conferences is not necessarily convey our own opinions. We ask about the discussion points of the fight, and I thought those were discussion points. And I thought Masvidal did a phenomenal job of uh, of answering them. So, shout out to Masvidal. That was an amazing win. And again, he just continues to kill it. Every interview he has, uh, every performance he has, the guy is going to be a star. And um, I, I tell you what, you know, that was the initial exchange I had with him. And then I kind of assumed people would, would ask him about, you know, Colby. And it, it didn't. So, we got to the end of the press conference. And, uh, and you know, I could tell we were wrapping up. And, and, and nobody had asked him yet about, you know, well, what about Colby? You know, because he's talking about title shot. Well, Colby's in there too, and of course, Colby and, and him, good friends, former roommates, um, you know, and now they're both chasing the same thing. They both want that title shot, and um, you know, I'll, I I want to play this clip in, in case you missed this one because uh, I, he didn't. I asked him directly about Colby in his answer. He didn't directly say the name Colby, um, but I found his his answer to be very very, uh, I guess, interesting. And last thing for me, I know after the last fight you thought, you know, I'm going to get the title shot. You didn't. You took this one. Why now do you believe the title shot will be yours? It should have been mine, like you said, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to sell my soul, man. I know uh, they go around sometimes, you know, telling, oh, you got the title shot of you and then see who get, gives them the best deal. I want to get paid for my services. I, I think I bring a very real thing to this uh, fighting thing, and that's just baptizing people. I'm not God, but I'm... I'm putting motherfuckers in another planet when I'm done with them. What what happens what happens if Colby wins next month? How do you determine who who gets the title shot? What how do, how do you figure that out? I don't know who who if that's Dana, if that's Hunter, if that's Sean Shelby. I I don't know of them who does it, but I think my body of work speaks for itself. If you want sheer violence, you know who to call. If you want other shit, man, fucking guys going to press conferences on time and posting on their shit, then you know who to call me. But if you want somebody who's going to give you this fucking violence, you know who to call. All right. Well, there you go. So I, I, uh, I once again, I do love the answer because it's straight honesty uh, from Jorge Masvidal, but it's also straight fire, as, as the kids say these days, uh, throwing it out there. I, I'm really interested to see what happens um, with Colby Covington. I get the feeling right now that if Colby Covington wins – Masvidal gets the title shot anyway. Um, of course, that fight is coming up on August 3rd. Colby Covington versus Robbie Lawler, the main event of UFC on ESPN 5, August 3rd. So just a couple weeks from now. And, you know, there's no rush for the UFC right now. Kamaru Usman, the champ, he's uh, he's healing up right now. So he's not in any rush uh, to make a decision. I wonder what the matchup you'd like. If you're Kamaru Usman... If you're Kamar Usman, and I don't mean this as any sort of disrespect to Masvidal, but I almost think you'd want to face Masvidal. Because Masvidal is a dangerous striker, um, as he's shown against Darren Till, as he's shown uh, against Ben Askren this year. Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe that is, maybe, maybe you'd rather face Colby. Because I feel with, with, with Colby Covington, he's kind of a very similar fighter to Kamaru Usman, so he's going to be able to match him in his strength areas. You know, he's going to be able to match him in the wrestling. He's going to be able to match him in the pace. He's going to be able to match him in the – I mean, that's they, they kind of have very similar games, right? 
you know, it, it's all about pace. It's all about grappling. Um, it's about push, push, push until people break. Um, you know, with Colby Covington, you don't have to worry about one punch knockout power. With Masvidal, you do. So maybe that's what you say. But uh, you know, Masvidal's wrestling is is not on the level of of Colby Covington. So um, I don't know. I'd be interested to see what Kamaru Usman thinks. I, I guess. I mean, originally I would have said the bigger the bigger money fight would have been the Covington fight because the build up would be huge. But man, right now, and again, I just use web metrics as as my traffic gauge but right now mazidal is clicking off the charts so uh you know maybe that's the one that would bring you the, the more money so i'm gonna be interested to see uh how how it all plays out listen like i said I'm, unfortunately this is not an and a half episode it's it's a few days late for that but this card was so good you got to talk about it a little bit right uh la- just last thoughts jan blahovich versus luke rockhold i know blahovich said uh, he'd like a title shot I guess it's not out of the realm of possibility, but it seems a, a bit much for him right now. Um, plus, you know, if John Jones is waiting until December, um, I think he's going to wait and see how this Cormier fight plays out. He, you know, uh, John Jones was mentioning Cormier's name a lot more this week, which leads me to believe that uh, that that fight is on his mind a lot more, and that would certainly be the big money fight. Uh, no, no disrespect to Blahovich, but that's not that's not that, it. Just wouldn't draw a lot of interest. He's a he's a tough bad dude as he showed. Um, but you know, he's not a talker and that's, you, you got to sell a little bit. Uh, but Luke Rockhold, man, I, you know, the biggest thing that concerns me is that I, I I'm, you know, Luke came in wearing that neoprene sleeve on his, on his uh, leg. And it kind of made me wonder like, what, you know, the heck's he wearing that sleeve for? I was like, it's not over a joint. It's over the leg itself. And then, you know, it slid down at one point and he had some kind of like, you know, uh, tape over it. And, and I, I'm assuming that all leads back to, uh, the staff infection and all the, the the leg injuries that he had and the fact that his leg was open. I mean, I'm assuming that means that that was still, it was still bothering him, that it was still some, you know, concern that that thing was going to split open. You know, he had skin grafts and all that. Um, I, I got to believe there was concern that that thing was going to open up basically or he wouldn't have had that tape and that sleeve on it. So that scares me a little bit, man. I, I, I like Luke. I know a lot of people hate him as well. Um and I get it, man. He's he's uh you know he's a pretty boy, right? He's definitely a pretty boy, and he's got that you know cocky attitude. Um, but you know this is a game where you have to have some self confidence, and you have to have that type of almost unrealistic belief in yourself. Um, so I, I get why some people don't like him, but it just I feel bad if he still wasn't all the way healed up, man. I, I just don't know how much longer his body can keep taking this. And I kind of understand what Dana White was saying afterwards, like. Dude, if you don't have to do this, like you're actually a model, man. You're actually a model, and you've been, you broke your jaw. And you can make like go do that instead, you know. Go do that instead. And uh, if Luke wants to keep competing, then absolutely he should. He's a phenomenal athlete. But man, if he still wasn't healthy, then yeah, yeah, man, do do something that's gonna be a lot easier on you in life. Michael Chiesa, the big win over Diego Sanchez. Uh, just the, I, I love me some Diego Sanchez. I had a feeling this was gonna be a bad matchup for Michael Chiesa. I love me some Diego Sanchez, um, but man, the, the the cornerman that he went with, the coach, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful to that guy either, but it's just not going to work at the highest level of martial arts. And man, uh, you know, there were some rumors behind the scenes of like, you know, on fight night, uh, homeboys, you know, lighting up all this incense in the in the locker rooms, and you know, like other other fighters are going, what? what the hell are you doing in here with all this incense and stuff and uh you know just concerns with inspectors the guy the guy that's with him had no idea what he's doing so i love me some diego sanchez whether it's jackson week or whether it's someone else 
I just hope he'll get uh, some actual mixed martial arts attention. Uh, Arnold Allen looked phenomenal, man. That guy looks looks great. Uh, it really does. Chito Vera, the big win over Nolan Harris. We won't go through the whole thing. Song Yadong Dong looked amazing. I know it's it's too easy to make you Dong jokes. It's fun. It, I'm sorry. I, I'm 41 years old, but I'm going to be immature the rest of my life. It is fun to make you Dong jokes. Uh, but I told you, keep an eye on your Dong. Uh, but he looked phenomenal. <laughs> Big knockout. Edmund Shabazzi looked great. Uh, a, lo- a lot of good stuff there. So uh, sorry we didn't get this done on uh, on Saturday night. We're working towards it. We're working towards it. And a half is definitely what we want to do moving forward. Uh, and, and we'll get there. We'll get there. But it was a, uh, it was a great event. All right, listen, uh, real quickly, let me just, uh, before we go on, say that if you like what you're listening to, even if you didn't get to hear it on Saturday night or Sunday morning, it would still mean the world to me. If you could take a second, log into iTunes, give us a rating again, five stars. We love five stars. Five stars would be great if you can do that. Leave us that rating. That helps us get uh, more notice. It helps us grow the show a little bit. Also, if you can leave feedback, the feedback helps as well. And, of course, tell other people to listen to the show. But if you can leave feedback, that's always good. I like reading them. Like, like my man Deep Sea Ninja, he said. Uh, Deep Sea Ninja said here, he said, I enjoy going on the road and sharing a few frosty beverages with my friends, MMA Junkie John and Cold Coffee, full of great information, interviews that are not boring, and it is a well-paced show. Been listening for years. So thank you, Deep Sea Ninja. means a lot to me. Uh, so if anybody else can go in there and, and leave some feedback, that would mean a lot to me too. All right, let's talk about what's coming up this week. Uh, Bellator 224. Sneaky sneaky little good card here, okay? Uh, Matt Erickson is out there. That is on Friday night. We'll have full coverage on MMA Junkie. Um, the prelims. Man, I feel like Bellator is slowly but surely growing these prelims, man. They used to be, it was just all local ticket sellers. It was fights that you didn't care anything about. Now they're starting to, to to you know to build out the roster a little bit, and some of these uh, some of these prelim cards are getting a little bit better uh, along the way. So um, you know it's good stuff here. For, there's there's a couple names on there. You know on the prelims you got the return of Leslie Smith. Um, that's a that's that's a big one, and uh, you know it's interesting. You know she said she she thought she'd get back to action a lot quicker than she did, um, but now she's trying. She also said that you know she talked with some of the Japanese organizations. Um, and this, this was her talking to Matt Erickson, um, and and they they said, listen, you know, we have some concerns about Project Spearhead, and so that's why she wasn't signed out there. So interesting to see that um, you know Project Spearhead, she openly admitted, you know, which of course is a, a, you know a, a, a push to organize fighters um, that that there were concerns when she went out there in the free agent market. So anyway, she she returns to action. You know, she's always good for a fun fight. Jordan Young, ten and zero. Jordan Young. Uh, a guy that's a, a blue chip prospect at, at middleweight. A lot of people think that he's a, a name to keep an eye on. And like I said, ten and zero is a heck of a start. And I know a dung, uh, the Hawaiian is is on this card. He's returning two and zero already in his young career, and uh, he fought out in Hawaii, of course. And a lot of people say to keep an eye on him. AJ Agazarn, the grappler, interesting character, man. He is a he is a wild dude, man. He's on here. So if you if if you want to, uh, I don't want to say like a Dylan Dennis knockoff. That sounds terrible, but it's just another one of these grappling specialists uh, that also has a, a wild attitude as well. You know, not not quite on the level of Dylan Dennis, but um, just kind of a quirky individual, man. But he'll be he'll be on the card as well. And then Christian Edwards, um, the guy that was supposed to make his debut and his his opponent was what twenty four pounds over or whatever it was back a couple months ago, and so they had to cancel the fight. Uh, but uh, a lot of people are high on this kid too. Twenty years old, um, and you know, a, a training partner, John Jones, and he he said he kind of hated that label at first. But hey, man, if that's what it takes to get you some recognition, a lot of people are high on this kid. The main card is is intriguing. Kaichi Kunamoto, remember him? 
Japanese fighter, fought over in the UFC a little bit, fought and risen. Uh, he's making his uh, Bellator debut against Ed Ruth. Uh, you got a women's matchup with Juliana Velasquez versus Christina Williams. Rafael Carvalho versus Chidi Njikwani. That could be a banger. And then the main event is a women's featherweight title fight with Julia Budd versus Olga Rubin. And it's funny because, you know, Julia Budd, for whatever reason, has just kind of flown completely under the radar, I think, throughout her entire career. Um, and, you know, maybe the, the fact that she's she went to, to, to Bellator and then, you know, the UFC ended up coming, coming out with a featherweight division impacted her recognition uh, in the community. But it's, it's funny, you know, and if you look at the rankings, if you look at the women's featherweight rankings, I mean – it's first of all, it's it's yeah, it's kind of hard to go 15 deep. Admitting both these organizations are still developing, the UFC is is definitely still developing. I mean, what do they have? They have four people. They have, they, they have Felicia Spencer, Megan Anderson, Chris Cyborg, and then they have Amanda Nunes, who has fought one time in the division once. Just came in, stole the title. Now, she's a very big piece because uh, uh, you know, as we said earlier, Amanda, the women's goat. But, you know, there's on our, our top 15, our MMA Junkie Women's Featherweight Ranking top 15, uh, we do have Julia Budd at number three uh, in the world. Uh, we have Toledo Nogueira at number six. Olga Rubin, who is the opponent here, at number eight. Uh, Cindy Dandois, Arlene Blancao, uh, Sinead Kavanaugh, who's on this card as well, uh, number 12. Um, so, you know, I think there's seven of the top 15 are Bellator fighters in the Women's Featherweight division. So this is a real division. And... It's interesting because in the UFC, you definitely have the biggest names. Amanda Nunes, women's GOAT. All right. Chris Cyborg, one of the greatest of all time, just total in the women's game. So you have superstars there, right? Felicia Spencer, undefeated. Uh, so, you know, definitely don't want to disrespect her. And, of course, Megan Anderson, somebody that's been – people have had their eyes on for a while. But that's the entire division. There's only so many fights you can make, right? And the UFC hasn't shown a lot of commitment to bringing in more talent. Um Bellator has actually built a women's featherweight roster. So I, I think this is an important fight. I really do. And I think Julia Budd probably deserves a little bit more recognition than what she actually has uh, in, in her career because, you know, she has a, a very good career record, 12-2 uh, and two career record, which is, is good. Ten fight winning streak. Hasn't lost since 2011. Oh, by the way, the two losses she had, Ronda Rousey, you know, at the heyday, and uh, Amanda Nunes. So, you know, she's fought those two. And this was this, those, both those fights took place in 2011 uh, under the Strike Force banner, by the way. Uh, shout, out to, uh, shout out to Sean Shelby. He was doing good work back then. Um, but anyway, I just think this is a, a good fight and an opportunity for maybe Julia Budd to get a little bit of recognition. Um, they're not going head-to-head with anybody. So we'll see how the performance pans out. And we'll see if she can do anything. But uh, I thought this would be a good opportunity to, to hear from Julie Budd because I do think she has somebody that maybe hasn't been given uh, the recognition that she should. And Matt Erickson had a chance to speak with her uh, while he was out there in Thackerville, Oklahoma, which, by the way, oh, I, I do <laughs> four times in a row in Thackerville, Oklahoma for Julia Budd. No disrespect, I, you know, it's, I, hey, listen, I'm from Dallas, Texas, Thackerville, just north of there. You, you fly into DFW and you take, a, I think, about an hour north and you just cross the border. But they, And it's a big casino. They build it as the world's largest casino. I've done some shows from there. I, I don't, I, it can't be the world's largest casino, but it is massive. I don't know how they get away with claiming that. Uh, but it, it just, the area leaves a little something to be, the casino itself, Windstar is really nice. 
but the area itself in terms of like sightseeing that you could go to or walking around and, and soaking in some culture, it's a little bit lacking. So uh, Julia Budd, God bless her, four times in a row in Thackerville, Oklahoma. But this was her conversation with Matt Erickson. Welcome back to Thackerville. Thank you. Are you sure you're from Canada and not from Thackerville? <laughs> because this is the only place you seem to fight. I know, right? Number five here. Uh, is, it, is that cool? Is it, is it, or would you, would you rather be fighting someplace else? I mean, do you kind of just have to own it at this point? Yeah. Like, I'm yeah, the queen of Thackeray. Exactly. Pretty much. I just, you know what? It is what it is. When we found out the location, we're like, okay, we're going back to Packerville. It did really you, doesn't matter. Did you just assume that it was going to be here? I mean, at yeah, this point? I should. I uh, knew, I knew the weekend. I was like, oh, I know where that fight card is going to be. <laughs> uh, is it just a coincidence really that it's always seeming to work out this way? Um, well, I don't know. Cause I fought in July. I fought November. I fought December. I fought March. So it's all kind of ties in. I don't know. I'm just come, I just come here. My mom was born in, in Oklahoma. So I was like, we're joking that it's cause she was born here okay. that I keep getting sent back. Deep but, down the, yeah. the matchmakers know that there's Yeah. Family. They're like, Oh, it's family. You know? well, all, all your title fights have been here. So obviously mm -hmm. this has been a very kind building to you. Yeah. Do you, uh, when you walk back in here during fight week, do you kind of get those you get those feelings like, yeah, man, this is where I've done some pretty, totally. pretty freaking cool things. Yeah. It's all positive vibes when I come in yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, talk about that feeling, you know, and, and is that what gets you going in fight week? Is it kind of walking in the doors of this building or does it kick off when you get on the airplane or something? Um, I think that it kicks off at the, just like the beginning of camp when I first find out that I'm going to fight. It's like, boom, I'm on, I know exactly what I got to do. I'm on purpose. It's like perfect for me but um it gets extra exciting when i get off the plane and uh start driving up here it's been uh it's been a year i guess yeah. to this weekend yeah um has that been by design or would you prefer to have been back in there a little bit quicker and, and then if not um how were you able to sort of use the extra time i guess to to your advantage um it's uh it was well we renegotiated a new contract which i'm super excited about um bellator is where i'm going to be for the rest of my career um i'm pumped and uh i'm this will be like i i will have had i think 10 fights under scott coker so um that was kind of coming up and finishing like getting that uh fight contract finished was amazing and i feel so good about it um and uh as well like some family stuff we lost um my husband's dad who we live with um to cancer in january okay. so at the end of the day it was like sure i would have loved to be back in the cage within a few months of my last fight i was riding a big time high but with family stuff it's you know Real it was it was like hurt. you know yeah. what i believe that god always knows there's always a he knows the timing is perfect so um that was important for me so um it's been a long time since you've lost and the only two women that you've lost to obviously <laughs> Yeah, people probably haven't heard of them, right? Yeah, so. I mean, nobody's heard of Amanda Nunes and Ronda Rousey, right? <laughs> are those fights fights that, that you think about ever, or do you say, you know what, those are in my first three and four fights or whatever in, into my career, and I'm a completely different fighter now? Do, do you think no, back I think about them all, often. Often, I believe they were the best learning lessons for me. Um, I think they happened right at the perfect time in my career for me to evolve as the fighter that I am today. So... Um, they were important for me. They were important learning lessons early in my career. If I was gonna, it kind of showed me if I was gonna stick with this and continue this and make it a make it my life, or you know maybe I should hang up the gloves and not take it, you know not continue. And um, I think that I learned a lot from both those losses, and I've been able to bring them with me into 
my few, all the future fights since then. So um, that being said, uh, even though it sucked at the time and losses, I am a very competitive person. I hate to lose. I think that they were exactly what I needed when they happened. Talk to me a little bit about the division right now here in Bellator. Obviously, you, you must think highly of it if you're yeah. willing to stick around for Absolutely. a Absolutely. And as, as not deep overall in the big MMA picture as 145 seems to be, it does seem to be... Yeah. It's happening. Well we got three three 145 pound fights uh, this weekend, um, and it's Bellator is committed to the 145 pound division. It is the place to be if you're a featherweight, and I am the featherweight world champion. So I can't wait to yeah defend my world title on Friday night. You feel like uh, some of the women that are that are lower on the card fighting in, in this weight class. Yeah, they're on the show for a reason. For sure, they've got eyes on you. For sure, they're plan. It's great. It's um. It, it's yeah it's been a long time coming and I think that um, it's exciting to see uh, that there's more fights than just this one and kind of know what what the plan is going forward it's it's good to have a plan talk to me a little bit about Olga obviously she's undefeated but you know, yeah. what does she bring to the table and where is she dangerous for? um she's got hard strikes she comes forward she uses her striking she also uses her wrestling so um, we prepared for a tough uh, southpaw you know striker uses her wrestling um, coming forward uh, all camp and um, I'm really excited for this one I know you have mentioned another name that's yeah. not here yeah Gabby Garcia yeah was that part of the negotiations at all that that you would be able to go over to Japan possibly and fight her I mean is that in the works? not necessarily but it was part of just noticing that the rise in you know there's a that friendly relationship between Bellator and Ryzen is really exciting and uh, looking at my career and and kind of uh, some dream up matches um, that would definitely be one of them but again I never look past my opponent I prepared harder for Olga than I've prepared in the past for other opponents because I want to showcase exactly who I am as an athlete as a mixed martial artist and I'm fully focused on Friday night. Is there a particular way that you want to get it done on Friday? Yeah, yeah, I'd love to get it done standing. I've, I've been working on my striking, and uh, I know that I've, yeah, got a lot to show, and uh, that's what I plan on doing. Right, so that was Matt Erickson and Julia Budd out there in Thackerville, Oklahoma, getting a good laugh about the Oklahoma connection. But uh, I just think she's so well-spoken, and, and I really do think she hasn't necessarily gotten the respect that she deserves in her career. And, uh, yeah, I mean, talking about those high-level opponents, I did, you know, failed to mention you know, how early that was in her career. I mean, that was right out of the gate for her. So uh, she's come a long way since then. So big moment, and I think she probably deserves a little bit more recognition. All right, uh, speaking of doubling divisions, how about uh, Brandon Moreno versus Askar Askarov getting signed to, to the fight in Mexico City? I like it. I just wanted to mention that. Flyweights, UFC signing two flyweights, booking a flyweight fight with, you know, one re-signing and, and one new signing. I dig it. Um, you know, I said pretty openly when when uh, Dana White told us in Chicago that, okay, you know, yes, they're sticking around. I didn't know how committed he was. I mean, short, you know, a few weeks or a few moments after that, I should say, he was like, yeah, sure, we're going to Vancouver. Now, of course, they are actually going to Vancouver. But I wasn't sure how serious he was about it. Um, but signing fresh blood, I dig it, man. I, I have uh, long been a proponent of the flyweight division, and I'm happy that uh, at least there's a good sign that it's not going away right now. Um, all right, let's shift our attention out to Sacramento, where cold coffee is this week. 
Uh, it's a, a good card up there in Sacramento. Of course, Sacramento forever going to be linked with uh, Team Alpha Male, and rightfully so. Uh, they did a lot to, to build the scene there. But uh, I, I did have an opportunity to, to, to speak with uh, Dave Hirschbein out at MMA Gold as well. It's about 30 miles east of Sacramento. They're trying to uh, build a little something out there as well. Of course, Aspen Ladd is uh, a part of that crew. And uh, this is a big moment for her, man. It's a finding a, a former champ in Jermaine Durandamay. Um, we'll see how that goes. But, you know, just briefly, just talking about Sacramento, I mean, I I, I am a little bit bummed I'm not there for one reason. And, and part of it is Aspen Ladd. I've enjoyed following her career. But seeing Uriah Faber fight in the Golden One Center, again, it's going to be amazing, man. The the, the atmosphere that, that will be in that building will be absolutely phenomenal. Of course, um, I was there for uh, in that Golden One Center for his retirement fight back in uh, what, 2016, uh, first time he had a chance to fight in that brand new building and uh, won a decision over Brad Pickett. And I can tell you, it was phenomenal there. And and, and the return. This man is an absolute celebrity, an absolute superstar. Um, it's 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 big nog in Brazil kind of love. You know what I'm saying? It's that kind of love. And the atmosphere is unbelievable. So I'm I'm gonna miss not being in the building for that. I remember. Uh, you know, back when they used to fight at what they called Arco Arena, one one time, uh, I uh, I had to, I was on press row and I had to go run to the bathroom real quick right before the main event. I just had to pee and I knew I couldn't hold it, so I ran and tried to get back to my seat. But the way it was, you had to cross the fighter entrance, um, and so I basically I ended up walking into Arco behind Uriah Faber, like just trailing, you know, not not in his walkout exactly, but as close as I could be because I needed to get to my seat because he was about to fight. Uh, and man, I, you know, I'll forever remember that because the atmosphere and the energy, you know, it's like, God, I cannot imagine what a fighter is feeling. You know, all those, you know, the, the, all the eyes on you, your music playing. I mean, everybody's focused on that, that walk in it's, it's intense, man. And, uh, I, I'm going to miss that energy. They, uh, you know, no, uh, no, 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 uh, no gimme fight there for Uriah Faber, um, in, in his return fight from retirement fighting a uh, Ricky Simone who, um, is going to be a stiff challenge, especially for a 40-year-old Uriah Faber. Now, important to note, Uriah takes care of himself like you wouldn't believe. Man, the man uh, is just all natural, holistic medicine, this sort of stuff. I mean, the dude takes care of himself. He didn't let himself get out of shape. So this is not somebody that was, like, just partying for the last couple of years, and now he's got to, you know, figure out a way. He was still in there. He was still training. He was still doing all that as well. So, anyway, cold coffee is uh, is up there in Sacramento, and uh, I figure, hey, man, what better way to kick off this discussion of uh, of USC on ESPN Plus 13 and Cold Coffee's conversation with the California kid. All right, so right, you're right. That, uh, this retirement thing didn't stick, huh? <laughs> Did that, what what drove you to want to get back to fighting? And is it something that you knew eventually? I know before you talked, you were like, if the, if the fight made sense, if the money was right, is this what it took to, to get you back, or did you already plan on coming back? No, I'd, I'd been thinking about it for a while, you know, and I've been teased with opportunities from the UFC throughout, you know, some short notice fights and whatnot. But uh, you know, there's no secret that I stayed within USADA drug pool throughout my retirement time, just because I wanted to be able to, if I decided to, jump in. And I'm about a, you know, kind of the guy that follows his heart. And um, you know, the current landscape's exciting for for UFC, for mixed martial arts in general. And um, I was having a little bit of FOMO. I'm in the gym every day, testing myself with these guys and just being around it. And uh, the Sacramento environment and, and car just kind of pushed me over the edge and and uh you know decided to say all right let's do it 
man, you've been busy grappling. You're running the team. You got the family thing going. How do you manage to fit it all in in there? How do you manage to do it all? You know, luckily, I'm I'm able to juggle a lot of things that are all kind of in the same wheelhouse. You know, I I live about a mile and a half from the gym, and and if you've been in the gym, you see it's it's uh it's kind of like my fantasy factory. It's 23,000 square feet. We've got offices and, and conference rooms. We've got all sorts of stuff where we can handle biz, and I've got a strong team around me. And, uh, you know, stepping away was something I definitely needed to do, wanted to do, uh, and had to be able to focus on some things that I otherwise wouldn't make time for, just being a guy that's driven and, you know, nose to the grindstone. So um, it's been uh, it's been fun getting back in the mix. There's some things that... Uh, that I didn't think I would miss that are kind of surprising, like how good food tastes and, and how much you appreciate like a, a drink of water after a really hard workout and in a, in a solid night's sleep. But um, it's more the same. I feel like, I mean, guys get suspended and are out for two years. And, yeah. and I just decided, you know, I wanted everyone to leave me alone, don't offer me any fights. That still didn't happen, but, uh, you know, made a statement that I'm, I'm stepping away and I feel good to be back. Right now, counting yourself, there's six, six team alpha male fighters, if, if I'm correct, on this card. you got to be ecstatic over that. Is that something you ever dreamed or envisioned or, or thought that could happen at one point? Yeah, you know, the team's been steadily growing and improving throughout the years, uh, gaining in numbers, and <clears throat> and the next generation stepping up. It's, it's pretty exciting. I, I feel like, you know, it was kind of a vision. We've had some moments, uh, even in the WC and in the UFC, where we've had a lot of fighters on the card, but... I mean, really, we could fill out a whole card. We could do uh, ten fights if we needed to. You know, every every fight could be be one of our teammates. We have fighters from all over the world that are that are here in Sacramento to be part of what we built, which is which is pretty exciting. And um, for me, I feel like uh, leading by example and just a training camp is something that one of the reasons I wanted to to jump back in there. It's it's good to show you know nicks, bruises, weight cuts. Uh, staying true to the course is, is uh, something that my guys need to see. And then you, you decide to make the comeback, and the UFC doesn't give you any slouch by any means. You know, they give you Ricky Simone. What were your initial thoughts on him <clears throat> as an opponent? Uh, I had to go do some research. You know, I, I, uh, I of course, watched, watched the fight game, but there's a lot of stuff going on, and, and I, I was aware of Ricky Simone. I, I, I've seen him fight a couple of times, but had to go really – delve in and check him out and he's a tough kid he's he's a guy that loves to fight he comes prepared he's got a good skill set he, he's got a lot of heart uh great conditioning so that's the kind of guy that you want to you want to fight you, you want a guy that's going to be there and and give his all and and he's got the world to gain you know he's 15 and 1 and and wanting to climb the ranks and i'm somebody that he's he's probably watched growing up and uh actually came and trained with us a little bit right before he turned pro so uh you know, I'm excited. I think it's going to be a, a, a great opponent, and I'm excited to show where I stand. You kind of mentioned, and he did, <clears throat> excuse me, say that he did watch you, you know, in, the, in his early days. But when you look at it, what is, what's in it? We could see where the benefit for Ricky to get a victory here, but what's in it really for you? Is it just the fact of just working back in the <clears throat> pool, getting active again? What's really in it for you to get a victory? Well, for me, the reason I do things is is for myself. I'm I'm uh, I'm somebody that loves building bigger things, and I appreciate the support and love from everybody. But um, you know, 
just had a milestone birthday. I I feel amazing. You know, there's there is a timetable on on how long you can be an athlete, and thank goodness I'm still within it. Uh, but that won't last forever. Uh, I know that, you know, if you think about big fights, uh, there's a few fights offered to me. One, you know, at 145 pounds that didn't come through, and then at the current landscape, you've got Dominic Cruz. Uh, out on injury, we've got T.J. Dillashaw suspended for for cheating. You've got uh, you know Cody Garbrandt's my teammate, but he's also out on injury, and and the list goes on of guys that are taken up. So they want to take somebody that's that's an up and comer they believe in, and and give him an opportunity, and and let me prove where I'm at, and and I'm okay with that. What were your not to jump too off topic, but once you mentioned T.J., maybe think of it. I mean, what were your thoughts on that whole situation and how he handled everything? Uh, guy's kind of like a politician. He can swing any anything to make himself a victim, and uh, I think he kind of <laughs> he kind of swung it like that. I feel like he's enjoying his time off, and he gained a lot of money from and, and fame from the success he's had, whether it was fair or not. And uh, you know, he'll be back. You mentioned a little bit of a fight that you were trying to get that it didn't it didn't pan out. Can you say what fight it was that you were trying to get, but it didn't work out? I wasn't trying to get a fight in particular. They just offered me uh, the Cron Gracie fight, and they said that would be really? the main event, this and that. And I said, uh, I said, yeah, I'd be I'd be interested in that. And then um, you know, I know he trains with Nick and Nate Diaz. Uh, I didn't know how involved he is with them. Uh, we've got a good relationship with those guys. Uh, maybe that's why the the fight didn't happen. Maybe it's. Uh, he just didn't feel like he wanted to do it in Sacramento at that time. Seems like kind of a unique cat. Um, that was offered. They talked about Cub Swanson that they'd offered me a couple times in, in the past, and then when that was brought up, they they said no to that deal. Uh, but for me, <clears throat> you know, I started looking at the landscape of things, and I've kind of been in the same situation my entire career, where people are like, "Oh, you're fighting this guy. You're fighting this guy." I mean, time and time again, it's usually guys that have you know Alex Caceres on a fight. Uh, Five fight win streak and 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 uh, Frankie signs on an eight fight win streak and and this guy on a six fight win streak and this guy's on a you know Brian Bowles and and so on and so forth. They keep throwing guys that are on a streak and give them an opportunity, but uh, I'm here to knock them down and and just let everybody know, you know, I don't care how many birthdays I have. I'm not gonna let someone beat me up. Period. Not gonna happen. Well, you, you did mention that there, there was a window. What is that window? I mean, is it 45? Is it 42? Is it 41? Is it, is, I know right now you look great. You probably feel great. But is there still, you've already retired once, but is there a time frame? Is there, a, what is that, that window that you say is there? Uh, you know, I do everything by feel, absolutely. And uh, I try to be as realistic as possible. If I was going in and, and uh, well, first off, I spent three and a half years or two and a half years just grinding on the stuff I wanted to do. You know, I'd, I'd do jujitsu and push the guys three days a week just because that's my favorite way to work out, go an hour and a half straight, just grind, trying to break these young guys and and uh, just enjoy myself. Uh, jump in. It seems when I look back, every every probably like four months, I'd jump in and do some sparring, just a couple rounds, four or five rounds maybe, uh, with Chad, with Cody, uh, just... You know, if we get newcomers in town, just to kind of test the waters. Uh, I think it was just all part of keep myself fresh and, and ready. And uh, 
So I don't know necessarily. I know some of the guys that I've spoken to that, that gave me a little motivation. One guy in particular, Murillo Bustamante, was down here with Fabio Prado, and I had a long conversation to him about why he was able to compete into his late 40s, and he said it's because he didn't do any of the PEDs or the steroids or any of that kind of stuff, and it was he was always getting a real look at what he's, you know, what he's got. And he was competing with the top guys for his entire career. Uh, Dan Henderson, same conversation. Randy Couture, uh, Roy Jones Jr. I've got a, a friend, Martin, uh, James Lawrence, who's the Iron Cowboy. 50 Ironmen, 50 states in 50 days. He's doing now seven Ironmen, seven continents in seven days. He's 42, 43 years old, and he's setting world records. So, um, you know, there's all sorts of guys that are made for this kind of thing. Uh, and we'll find out if I'm one of them. I love it. And just looking on Saturday, keys to victory. What needs to happen to make sure that you get your hands raised? You know, I don't see uh, Ricky Simone breaking. That's something that's happened in the past. You know, you push guys to a brink of breaking points, and um, he knows that that's not going to happen with me, absolutely. It, it doesn't happen. Uh, I think I just have to be better. I have to be first at the punch and better in all areas. And and uh, he'll be very good someday, but I don't think he's at my level now. Uriah Faber and Cole Coffee getting it done out there. Uh, listen, you know, Faber threw out a lot of big names there, a lot of a lot of matchups that could go forward. I mean, I I don't get the feeling this is a one-off. You know, he says he does everything by feel, um, but I do get the intention that you know he wants to come back in and look at a couple other options and look and look and see what else is out there. Um, you know, <laughs> I know he always talked about the Dillashaw fight. You know, what a, what a big money fight that would be. You know, certainly the 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 former pupil and the and the former master however you want to say it you know there's there's definitely a storyline there of course that would have to wait a while I think Uriah may not be able to stick around long enough for that suspension to end but I know that it's something that he was talking he's talked about in the past as uh as a possibility so uh we'll see what happens there uh you know Dominic Cruz coming back certainly you know there's always something there so uh but this could be a big fight Ricky Simone is is uh is going to be a real challenge for him for sure uh, some other names on the card. Mershad Bektich versus Josh Emmett could be an absolute banger, man. That could be a, a great fight. So that's that's one I'm really looking forward to as well. Uh, our boy Andre Feely down there on the prelims with Shaman Marias. That could be a really fun fight as well. Uh, Nico Montano and Julia Juliana Pena. Really intriguing, man. I can't believe that one's on the on the prelims. But you know, remember Juliana Pena for a lot of time. You know, she was tagged as that for, you know future champion. Then she stepped away to start a family, and now she's getting back in there. Nico Montano, the former champ, um, you know, I, I really have my eyes on that one as well. Darren Elkins versus Ryan Hall, what a great fight that is, man! That should be a, a fun one as well. Uh, so, so a couple of really good matchups that I'm eyeing. Um, Jonathan Martinez, I'm just a big fan of this kid. Like, I, it, he his last fight down in uh, Australia, he came back and spoke to us. We were, I was working in the back that night after he beat Willie Gibran. And he was so nervous. It was hilarious. I, I I pray for this kid to win just because I love his scrums. He's so scared to talk to the media. His team was telling me, like, he's so nervous of speaking in public that um, he has to have people order for him at, at restaurants and stuff because he's afraid to talk to the server. How crazy is that? But he gets in a cage and fights for a living. <laughs> How nutty is that? Oh, man. All right, listen. Uh, uh, the main event, Jermaine Durandamy versus Aspen Ladd. I'm a big Aspen Ladd fan. I, I, she is such a, a great person. 
and uh, I, I like her style, and I love the people around her as well. Uh, she has a great team around her, um, and, and I think she's destined for big things. Uh, you know, just 24 years old, man, it's crazy. She was born in 95. I graduated in 96. Oh, oh kills me. Uh, graduated high school in 96. But anyway, she's going against Jermaine Durand Uh And uh, listen, Jermaine Durand has been painted out as, as a villain by some people. Some people absolutely hate her. Um, others, you know, have maybe less strong feelings, but not big fans. But you know, she's had a very intriguing and interesting career here, and uh, I, I'm kind of uh, curious about this matchup. You know, do, does the UFC see her as, um, you know, the perfect stylistic setup to give, uh, you know, to give Aspen Ladd that push to get that signature win that she needs uh, to, to to make her as a legitimate title contender, or? You know, do they still have some faith in Jermaine? I mean, look, she was the champ that didn't lose, right? I mean, she's on a four-fight winning streak. You know, she beat Raquel Pennington. She beat Holly Holm. Um, You know, interesting character. You know, Jermaine, her positivity, her energy, um, it's always just uh, fascinating to me. It's always, uh, uh, you know, it's it's, – captivating when you're around her to be honest with you it really is so uh i know cold coffee had a chance to speak to her and uh and uh, cold coffee put in the work up there cold coffee just got off the plane went right to work N- not not hating it at all he's he's putting in the work here's here's his conversation with jermaine Durant, enemy gdr jermaine well here you are back headlining an event does it feel good to i guess be back in the good graces of the ufc if you will Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, if you think about it, who would have thought that I was going to headline a UFC event again, right? <laughs> so uh, I'm in good spirit, and uh, I'm happy to be here. Did uh, has the I, I think after the point when going back to when you 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 let the belt go away, <laughs> and so many people came out of the woodworks either feeling one way or the other, has that kind of settled down now, and that people just let you got get back to, to fighting? Well, I, I don't know. I, I don't believe so. I mean, Joe Rogan said it last week again, right? He thought I lost the fight and, and all that kind of stuff. So, no, I, I, like I said, I've said it before in interviews. I, I do believe at some point I got a life sentence for everything that's happened. If you compare it sometimes to other fighters, you know, who get caught on testosterone or using cocaine or whatever, you know. But I'm absolutely fine with it. I, you know, and also you got to look at the other side, you know. I got also a lot of people, you know, that send me great, amazing messages. So much love. So, and at the same time, I'm in a great position right now. And <clears throat> I'm sorry, I feel great. I'm in great spirits. And I moved on already. You know, I left it behind. I moved on. And, and I'm, I'm ready to take the next step. That's great. That was going to kind of be my next question. A lot of fighters sometimes let the chirping on the outside kind of push them forward. Are you the kind of person that... When you hear this talking, does it fuel the fire? Does it make you want to go out and prove somebody wrong? Or are you the kind that just out of sight, out of mind, you, you don't let it get to you, just focus on what you and maybe your close inner circle say? At, at a point, you know, in the beginning, of course, it hits you. It hits you hard. But I'm also a very positive person. I'm in very positive spirits. So I, there comes a point I'm like, you know, I'm punished. I made a decision. And at the same time, I stand behind the decisions I've made. And every decision in life you made has consequences. I knew there were consequences to the decision I was making, and I'm I'm fine with the decision. You know, I'm not I'm not a person that has to prove myself to anybody. You know, at this point, I love fighting. I love sharing my love for fighting with other people that love martial arts, and that's all that matters. And 
what happened happened and I can change it. I don't want to change it because it makes me who I am today. I'm very strong. I think I'm absolutely the strongest I've ever been. So what more can I say? And I think with the UFC, <coughs> when they call to offer you a headlining gig, I think you probably would have said yes to whoever they put out there. <laughs> but they said Aspen Lad. What was your initial thoughts and reaction when they offered her up for you? Oh, oh, they, I don't look at the opponent. It, it's okay, you know. They ask me, can you fight in six weeks? We need a, head, a, a main event. I'm like, um, okay, six weeks. Let's do this. You know, I, it's for me, it's an art. I respect Aspen a lot. You know, she's a great fighter. She's an up-and-coming girl. She's very hungry. So that has to keep me sharp. I have to be sharp, as sharp as hell. I have to be the best me Saturday. And I know that. And I will do everything within my power to be the best me. I don't need an opponent to motivate me. You know why? Because I love what I do. I don't need anything to motivate me but me. Waking up and getting to do what I love to do, being here, having fight week, you know, that makes it all worth it. And I know you said you, you didn't, you would have said hello, you know, yes to anybody, but, and this isn't going to try to date you. No, no, of course. Perfect, but you're, you're fighting an opponent that maybe wasn't even out of high school by the time when you were starting fighting. So you're going to bring, you're bringing a lot of experience into this. Do you think it's going to be that experience that is going to really help you get the win this day? You know what the funniest thing is? Yesterday I did an interview and somebody told us, uh, the, the reporter said, Jermaine, did you know when you fought your first professional fight, Aspen Lett was four years old? I'm like, okay, <laughs> that makes me realize I'm very old at this point. <laughs> of course it may, of course, the experience will help me through, you know, of course it will help me, you know, that's obvious. I mean, if you look at it, uh, you know, I, I've seen it all. I've been through it all. I, I've lost, I've won, I've been in title fights. I fought the best in the world. You know, I got submitted, I lost, you know, I got, I knocked people out. I've been through it all, you know. So when there's, there's always a possibility in a fight, you know, you always hit that point when something doesn't work or you have to change the plan and you have to adjust. I won't panic. I can adjust because the only, I can control my mind. You know, I've, I've grown so much and also not because of the fight experience, but everything I've been through in my career. You know, I've grown so much that I can overcome adversity. But at the same time, you know, like I said, she's young, she's hungry. So I still have to be on the top of my toes. I have to be as sharp as I can be. She has the young and the hungry, but break down her skills a little bit for me. I know you have a lot of experience. You've seen a lot of fighters in front of you. What does she maybe bring to the table, or does she bring anything to the table that you haven't seen before? And where is she dangerous, and what are you maybe expecting from her? To be honest, I really, I really don't know. I know I have not seen her fight. I never watch my opponents fight. I just don't do that. I don't adjust my plan. I'm going to put my will on her. So I don't adjust. You know, I don't believe that there's anything that can happen that I'm not prepared for. The only thing is, the only one that's standing in my way Saturday will be me, not Aspen Led. I can be my own enemy and I have to defeat me. If I defeat me and I'll be the best Iron Lady, then I will be victorious Saturday. What I love about it is, is the mindset. I love the, the positivity that you have. You, <laughs> have. you did have a fight in 2018, but if you had to look at yourself right now as opposed to the you that won the title, who's better? You now or you now? Oh, definitely me now. Absolutely. In every aspect of the game, I'm much better now. Much. 
Physically, mentally, I'm so much stronger. I appreciate right now where I am. I appreciate that I'm here. I appreciate fighting. I appreciate so much more loving what I, what I do. You know, I appreciate walking to that cage. And don't get me wrong, I'm gonna be scared shitless right five minutes before I'm about to walk out. I will tell my coaches, I don't wanna do this. That's gonna happen. I will tell them, I'm not gonna do this anymore. I'm done after this. I'm We're not gonna do this. But as soon as the music turns on, you know, I'm gonna zone in and I'm ready to go because I love to do this. And I appreciate that I'm able to do this. Uh, there was a point in my career I was maybe not able to ever do this again, you know? But I hit the point, I came back, I came back so much stronger. You know, I f it's like you can break somebody that won't quit and I just won't quit. No matter the result Saturday, no matter what happens, I promise you, I will walk out there with a smile on my face and I will keep my head up, no matter what. If she beats me, if she knocks me out, if I win, I will walk out of that cage with my head up. You know why? Because I did it. I did it. That's awesome. A lot of people are talking as this as for a title eliminator bout. You know, have you heard anything from the UFC as for if this win gets you maybe the next title shot or how far out from a title shot with a good win here do you think you are? To be honest, that, that is not something that's on my mind. A lot of people have asked me, you know, about the title shot and this, this fight might be an uh, elimination for, you know, the one next to Amanda, uh, for Amanda. Right now, I have one obstacle, and that's Aspen Led. I cannot focus or look ahead of Aspen Led. That would be very disrespectful and very ignorant for me to do. My focus is absolutely on Aspen, and after Aspen, after Saturday night, you can ask me the same question and I will have an answer for you. Okay, because I was going to ask you, with a nice victory here and say Amanda is there, what is different? <laughs> can, we, can we say that as much? I know you don't want to look past Aspen by any means, but the, the you now, which you think is better than the, the you that used to be, would things be very different in a, in a rematch with Amanda Nunes? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I believe that's the fight to make. In a way, you know, I'm very explosive. Everybody knows that I like to knock people out. Amanda likes to knock people out. She's on a wrecking machine. She's a true, true champion. I absolutely respect her, but I would love to face her again. It would be an honor for me to face her again. And even if it's not a title fight, I would still would love to meet her again in the octagon. A lot of people are considering Amanda the GOAT right now. Do you consider her the greatest female fighter of all time or where? I know that's got to be tough because you've been in there and you know <laughs> that you can beat her, but what, uh, what do you think when you hear that talk? Is that just rubbish or do you agree in some sense that she is probably one of the best fighters that's ever been? I, I, I agree she's one of the best fighters ever, but remember one thing, everybody is beatable and as soon as a person comes and beats Amanda Nunes, they are the GOAT. One thing is for sure, at this point, right now, in the last couple years, she has been the best UFC fighter, without any doubt, right? She has proven it over and over again, but she is beatable. Everybody is beatable. So every time when somebody gets beat, there's a new goat, right? No. She's the champion, she's a true champion, and she is an absolute world class, but she is beatable. Awesome, and then just finally jumping back to Saturday, Keys to the victory. What needs to happen to make sure you get your arm raised in the octagon? I just gotta be me. Enjoy the ride. Just gotta be me.
right. Well, like I said, infectious personality, man. I, I really do. Every time I'm around uh, Jermaine, I just I, I get uh, I don't know. I get motivated by her spirit, man. <laughs> I know I know people like to hate on her. I know people like to hate on her, but uh, listen, I think it's a I think it's an intriguing matchup. Um, I, I like Aspen Ladd a lot, and this is a this is a big moment for her to prove uh, if she's there. And if not, then. You heard Jermaine saying, you know, hey, how about that Amanda Nunes fight? We're talking earlier about what, what's next for Amanda Nunes. Uh, there you go. Maybe that could be it. Listen, one, I, one last thing about Sacramento. Uh, you know, it's Chad Mendez, the retirement finally being made official. Of course, Farah Hanoon, who's with us uh, at MMA Junkie now, originally reported that back in December. And it's funny because I think all of us on staff had kind of tried to verify it, and his team said that he didn't really want to want to talk about it. Um, and, and now we know why. You know, he took some months and – Decided to make sure everything was true, and then finally came out the announcement. So, um, yeah, shout out to Chad Mendez, man. I'm gonna miss miss having him around. I, I, I mean, a guy that that we really followed his whole career. I mean, we we uh, we used to broadcast. Uh, a lot of people probably don't know this, but MMA Junkie streamed some Tachi Palace fights uh, cards way back in the day, and he was on those. Uh, I, I remember, I remember actually one time uh, getting a flown out. There was a sponsorship company. I want to say that no fear energy drink, uh, if if that sounds right, or it was Amp Energy Drink, yeah, Amp Energy Drink. That's right. Maybe they had a no fear. Anyway, it was an energy drink company. They actually um, hired me to go out to Sacramento and do an interview with Uriah and uh, a couple of other people that I recall right as part of their campaign package or whatever. And, and we we're like, sure, absolutely, man, love to go do that. You know, let's get that access. Um, and Chad Mendez was there, and I think he was like two and zero at the time. Um, but I knew people were, were high on him, and and. Uh, you know, and and I had seen his fights, and I was high on him as well. I was like, "Well, can we interview Chad as well?" And um, <laughs> and they were like, "Yeah, sure, why not?" I mean, we're here, and they had a camera crew that they were paying for, so we got to interview Chad Mendes. They had no desire to interview him whatsoever, so uh, but we did, and so it, it was always an honor to call to call his career. Uh, of course, you know the the, the great nickname on a story that uh, a great story on his nickname, I should be the Chad Monday Mendes. It was actually Money Shot Mendes, but. Uh, when he came to the WC, they said, no, that is not your money shot, sir, is not going to be your nickname, so you're going to have to change it to money. Uh, but good on him, man. It sounds like he's doing well uh, in his in his post-fighting career. Uh, you know, he's got the fins and feathers, the, the guide service, he's got a, a beef jerky uh, as well. So uh, going to miss Chad, man. He was a good dude, and uh, wish him all the continued uh, success. So hopefully our, our paths cross again. Hopefully he'll be out to fights on Saturday. Uh, one last thing about the headlines today, Masvidal, uh, calling for a fight with Conor McGregor. Listen, that kind of shores up this title situation as well, you know, this whole Colby Covington thing. And I'll be honest with you, I like that fight. And shout out to Simon Head. Again, we didn't get to do a, a and a half this past weekend because of the time. But I know that's one uh, matchup that he wanted to roll out there. He he thought that would be a good fight. And stylistically, I love it. It makes sense for Conor McGregor too, right? I mean, Conor, if he comes back, I don't think you would have put him against I – know, I know he wants to fight Habib. But I don't think you want to put him against, you know, a, a powerful, strong wrestler like that, whether it be Habib or somebody else. Um, not that uh, Masvidal couldn't wrestle him if he wanted to. He's a well-rounded fighter. He's been around the game forever. But I think we know what kind of style he would bring to the table. So, you know what? Sign me up. I think Colby deserves his title shot. Masvidal would get his money, and I don't think he gives a damn about a belt. I think he cares about getting paid. Covington would get the title shot that he deserves. Masvidal would get his money. I think all would be right in the world. So I, I hope this uh, I hope this works out. Sign me up. I am I am uh, with that. All right, listen. I have got to run. I got to go get over to uh, the Fight Dome 
to uh, to meet up with uh, Frank Mir. We'll do this final fight championship. Hopefully, like I said, the next time we do one, we'll have it live on uh, on MMA Junkie. But uh, in the meantime, thanks for listening. Thank you.